0: All right, someone say something to start us off. I actually want to
1: ask, there was, some, uh, there was some locker room talk before I joined about disco, and I wanted to hear what y'all were saying. Are, y- are y'all celebrating it? Are y'all dissing it? Oh, I love oh, disco.
2: Celebrating. It might be the best genre. I'm going to just put that out there. The most fun genre, especially when you're like, going out, dancing, things like that.
1: I'm here for it. And and I would say that there are some more disco influences showing up in in the charts. I mean, new Dua Lipa, new, yeah. new very very eighties, very disco, Dula Peep. Yeah.
2: Hoping that like more like clubs and restaurants and bars start playing it instead of like I mean, when you go out here, at least in College Station, it's like all rap music, like the same five songs, you know, rotated every. Four months, give or take. Do you yeah. like know how to dance? Like do disco dances?
0: Do you do like the things with your hands? <laughs> oh, I mean, I look like an idiot, but I have fun. <laughs> but isn't there like a specific like style of dance?
3: I, I thought it was like very like rotate rotation based.
0: Like a lot of little
3: move side to side
2: circles. You know, <laughs> wear like flashy shirts or else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I love to, to wear dress school you Absolutely. do that, Dom. I do do that, yeah. <laughs> I got my All party right, glasses so,
0: right next to me. So what do we want to start off with? I actually did some research this time. I have some I have some remarks prepared. Oh, um, I think that they, I think they play well into Dominic's article though. Um, so I think that we might want to start with that. If you want to take us away, Dom.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah, so I don't know if you guys got a chance to read the article I posted or not, but it's about um, something we've we touched on in previous podcasts, that there's just a, an abundance of what the 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 author so tactfully calls as the shit labels and shit music, and it's um, just like oversaturating, I guess, the music market and music industry is just filled with all of these people just creating songs for no real I guess what he thinks is there's no real point to it. There's just artists this is specifically for like techno music and like house music, which is all made on like computers and stuff, so it's easy to reproduce and just change one little thing and put it out as a new song. And he's saying this overarching trend in the industry that's overshadowing all of the good stuff coming out and uh he calls it the age of peak shit Damn. so i thought it was an interesting article <laughs> and he he wants uh artists to kind of fight back even though he doesn't see any real clear way for the industry as a whole to be cured of this shit label apocalypse
0: yeah well it's also it's also that it's like actively harmful to the people who are who are making this kind of music because once you get into it you're stuck in it because you make all this like bad music for like hundreds and hundreds of hours of bad music for like fake labels that are just like a couple of nouns strung together
2: yeah the ones he put in the article were hilarious moon moon fork <laughs> corn tissue
0: recordings <laughs> and it's like you can buy record i thought that was really cool you could buy old records for less than five dollars so it's like they're so poorly valued that you can buy them for less than you can as an MP it looks like an MP3 or some kind of any kind of digital music file. So it's like like some people and I don't know if there's like really that much I don't know if there's much of a point to it cuz it's like nobody's listening to it. You don't have fans. It's just like it ends up being like filler. And I think this goes back to what we were talking about a couple weeks ago with like Spotify where it's it's like Spotify is creating your music taste and nothing stops them from just like like throwing in some like mass produced electronic song. It's kind of like the lo-fi hip hop beats. It's like you just listen to them and they go on forever and you wouldn't notice if they even just repeated a song. Yeah. Because like you're not actually listening to the music, you're just like listening to a sound. <laughs> and so I guess right. that's that's useful. <laughs> You're studying. I mean, I think there's
2: some like pleasantness to it. It's not all just like the worst thing ever. It's nice to have, I don't want to call it like a drone in the background, yeah. but something just sort of soothing. Um, but I think there's an art to making it uh I don't know better than just changing a couple of things here and there and creating a thousand tracks on the same like base, basic like melody. Or formula,
0: yeah. Well, it's also it's also interesting that it's um, the the other record this guy has made before was like why your friends don't buy your records. It's like artist development. You have to you have to you can't just like start throwing out music and self promoting because Mm. like people won't notice you. You have to go back to the go back to the basics and like think about it, learn, make your music good, and then you can start doing something, and you won't get stuck in this like cycle of the shit labels so it's Mm -hmm. like it's like it's it's interesting that i don't know it's just it's interesting to think about how how musicians get their start and how like you can very easily get into a problem where you're making like junk food music yeah (laughs) like no one's gonna listen to it like he said in the
2: article everyone kind of starts there but it's how you market it and sort of deal with that that's that's like the key to yeah taking the next step or just staying where you are
3: having lightly messed around with like music production it's so easy to like throw together a loop and have something that sounds like a song but i think it takes a lot of like humility to like realize that just because it sounds like a song doesn't mean it is a song and you like still have more to do yeah especially to produce something compelling
0: well it's like i have a camera but i'm not gonna go make a short film and then upload it on vimeo and send it to all you guys and be like hey like vote for me for a film festival because i know it would be shit and like (laughs) (laughs) and i know that i need to like really sit down and and work on it to to get to a point where i could be like feel comfortable actually displaying it but i think some people don't have that like hardwired into them i guess maybe
1: i can just want to make it I dumb.
2: Yeah, no, that's
1: all. Go ahead. I was just gonna say, uh, maybe I can offer a counterpoint here, which is that I think it yes. might actually be good for society as a whole that we have a lot of ass amateur artists trying things. <laughs> yeah. Because ultimately, the only way we're gonna democratize art and get new interesting voices out there is if we put the tools in people's hands and then just ask them to do it no matter how good it is,
0: that's true. and
1: maybe it's all right that as a um, byproduct of increased democratization of music, we've had increased shitposting, right? Like uh, inevitably, the more and more people that have access to making music, the more and more people are gonna be making bad music, but also we also increase the probability that there are artists who are gonna make music that you've never heard before, that is really, really good, right? And we're all Mm -hmm. gonna riot in the streets. Because it's something we've never heard before. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I, um... I think you're right, but he he brings this that point up uh, in the article. He says this. He found this artist who emailed him a few years ago, and he looked back into him, and he's he has a thousand tracks now over six years, which is just an insane amount of music. And he says that that's not like inherently bad, but the the problem is that there's no improvement. It's just like variation and variation and just endless variation instead of any sort of self-reflection and improvement and sort of evolving his style and his his skills.
0: And there's also like no selection. It's I think the, I think the problem is a, is a very specific one, and it's different because it's electronic music. And because a lot of it can be like algorithmic, where you're basically just like kind of plugging sounds together in a way that is like, you have this song that sounds good, you can see the structure of this song, you can replicate the structure of this song and make like five more like it. And so you're just flooding the market with music. So if one of those songs is like awesome, there's such a low likelihood that someone's going to find it because they have to sift through like thousands of hours of shit to get to it. Where it would be different if there were people like releasing, you know, albums or singles and saying like this song, I I made this song. Here's a song like once every, you know, like month. (laughs) That's different from like 10 songs a week for a year. Or actually, no, like, what, 20 songs a week for a year. <laughs> like, that's just crazy.
2: It's an unbelievable <laughs> amount of music. Yeah.
0: To be putting out there and producing. So I think there's a happy medium, as with <laughs> all things. Yeah. <laughs> right, Akshay? Yeah.
1: No, I agree with you. But maybe the the thing that is is still working in favor of shit labels is that consumption habits have also lent themselves to supporting endless content because people want yep. like the drone that Dom said, right? People, we've gotten to a point in 2020 where we kind of need a certain amount of information saturation. Like we've gotten so accustomed to it that like, I think that's part of the thing that drives uh lo-fi hip hop is that people can't work in silence. Like they need something in the back of their head playing all the time. Um mm-hmm. and and maybe shit labels are necessary to fuel that like hunger that we have now.
0: Not once that machine learning music thing comes out comes out mass produced. Exactly. I mean, just machine learning your
2: song. Yeah, five thousand like. tracks every day <laughs> instead of every six years.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean Endel is doing that. The there's an app that you can download today. It's a productivity app called today. Endel. There's generates new music for you to listen to that is this fits an endorsement the music that you like. Are you endorsing yeah. this app? I'm not <laughs> it's endorsing kind of it, per se, but I think the technology is is exactly what you were referring to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's endorsing an endless
1: that. stream of continuously generated new music. <laughs> we have the technology. Yeah. Downloaded it. That's cool. Um, Do you
3: like Endel Tache?
1: I actually felt it was a bit freeing. Uh, when I work, I want to listen to like meaningful music because I want to support artists who are doing good things, um, and I don't want to support shit labels. And so I spend like a fair amount of time at the beginning of any work session finding a cool playlist that's long enough and not distracting enough to put it on. <laughs> and Endel Spotify will... Radio
0: does that though.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you use that. <laughs> I'm not using that. That's a good good suggestion. It's just
0: if you let a playlist play out, it'll just make up make a an infinite playlist based off of your playlist. Oh.
1: So or you can do it for a song, song.
2: an artist, or an
0: album.
2: Yeah.
1: Whatever. I yeah. should probably start doing that more. Um, and that is one solution, but Endel is also a nice alternative solution mm-hmm. because I just put put it on. And you know, there's no beginning or end of songs, right? It just goes. Yeah. And it will really go out yeah. however long you want it to.
0: That's why I love my guys at Chilled Cow. <laughs> Chilled Cow. <laughs> Lo fi hip hop music beats to stud- relax slash study to. Uh,
2: I'm more into Simpson Wave.
3: <laughs> uh.
0: Okay, but this actually does transition really well into what I wanted to talk about today. I read five articles and a few Reddit threads. So I think I'm qualified to um, be the authoritative voice on this. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna talk about industry plants because it's something that's really interesting to me because it comes, it's come up like at several points over the past um, few years that I've been like consuming music in a lot of different ways. So I think that the 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 start of the term, as far as I can tell, was in like the early 2010s, so like 2011, 2012 on like message boards so on reddit on kanye to the um where people are are talking about music and there's also like the inevitable little um the inevitable part of 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 the society there who's gonna be really negative um so this started specifically in hip-hop and this was like around the time where i was you know on r slash hip-hop heads like every day deep in reddit not commenting, but like I saw all this stuff and it is like a, like a pervasive thing. And now it's kind of made the jump to different genres. So like two years ago, I think it was about like, yeah, probably like two years ago when Clyro was on the up and up. And even like this past summer when Billie Eilish was like suddenly everywhere, everyone was like, Oh yeah, industry plant, industry plant. Um, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, but I wanted to talk about first, um, chance the rapper because i think that this is one of the like earlier ones and one that that's kind of interesting because it's so easily rebutted um and it brings up a lot of stuff that is kind of important to the discussion so initially the the term kind of means like someone who pretends to be independent but is not actually independently responsible for all their successes so you have a you release a tape and it has like a bunch of features like Chance did. And you say that you're independent. You say you don't sell anything. You say it's just all mixtapes, all like grassroots support, but you're actually just like an industry plant. You're being paid by a record label or by some kind of nefarious source of privilege that allows you to reach this audience. And in one Reddit post from 2017 titled, Change My View, Chance the Rapper is an Industry Plant. Um, our friend user Ray two two nine Harris. Um, he talks about how the music industry like supposedly chose chance as the like person who will be successful, where you you start with ten day. you say, our this guy, Ray, says he doesn't remember this tape gaining any traction or popularity on the streets or on the net. And then acid rap comes out and is suspiciously well produced. It has, you know, action Bronsons on it um, BJ, the Chicago kid, um, like a Busta Rhymes, Twista. They're like, it's like big, big stuff on, on acid rap. Right. And it's, it's a really good tape. It sounds good. It's everywhere that summer. And the, the argument here is that like being in, in the space to have a, a recording studio to being able to, even just record a tape that sounds that good, pay for those beats, pay for those features. It requires some level of like malfeasance, like something something bad, something something industry adjacent had to have happened. Um and then like coloring book comes in and now he's like all of a sudden doesn't do drugs anymore. He likes God. He has a daughter. He has great features. Like where did all this money come from if he wasn't selling any of these tapes? Like what what happened between 10 day and acid rap and i think that the the rebuttal there is like it's kind of obvious like chance rapper is not poor he never pretended to be poor he's not like from the south side of chicago he's not making drill music like he appreciates the different things that make chicago's music so interesting and like Gave rise to him and the the other kind of uprising of music coming out of Chicago in the in the 2010s. But he wasn't he wasn't saying like I am the voice of like urban Chicago. I have nothing and here I am like winning. You know, his his dad worked for Obama. His dad worked for Rahm Emanuel. He had some kind of connections. But just because you have some connections to older people, I'm not convinced that that really helps you very much. Like what what does an old person know that would Somehow, like, let your kid climb the charts. What if it's and it's also like just because it's not on your radar doesn't mean it's on no one's radar. And it, right? I think it. I think it brings up, um, the chance the rapper and the the hip hop component. I think brings up a lot of, um, kind of how race has pervaded the the hip hop culture in the United States, where a lot of people who are commenting on rap end up being white and so it's playing into this like larger problem where white people are appropriating black culture and then using their popularity or connections to make that turn and then make it popular make it sanitized make it white and i mean you know you see this with tiktok right now where a lot of a lot of like the the black content creators are making the dances and then like these like pretty white girls get the millions of views and millions of followers, whatever you call it on TikTok. And it's in, in in music for the past 10, 15 years, pretty obviously, like Katy Perry, remember that song with Kanye West and like Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande. It's people who are, who are putting out, and Justin Bieber, um, people who are like putting out a, an image that they are black where they are in fact white and they're using their privilege as a white artist to introduce and and sanitize these black ideas and um i read an article in the atlantic which was talking about how atlanta the um donald glover's uh, comedy show talks about this in in kind of like sideways ways like it's a it's mm. a really elaborate satire of of that part of the music industry where there's this there's this artist called Clark County he's like popular in their like Silicon Valley Spotify startup they have him like singing on the table and he gets money commercials um and he makes kind of like hokey music and he's he has this like very very bright personality on the outside but then when they're in the recording studio with him he's like evil And he makes this, like, ridiculous commercial, which is kind of directly lampooning Chance the Rapper. You guys remember those, like, Kit Kat commercials where he's, like, breaking up Kit Kats or something like that? That was a thing? Mm, No. (laughs) Um, This thing, I promise, is a thing. Um, And, like, I think it, it brings up how an industry plant was originally a word to kind of discredit black people in a lot of ways. And it wasn't applied in the same way to someone who was independently successful and then became subject to these industry forces like a Katy Perry, like someone who, who has this dramatic shift in their music and, and becomes even more popular because of it. So it's, it's all to say that like being a plant doesn't mean that you get to profit from being a plant, even if the the characterization is true and that, that, brings in race that brings in class um and in rap music it it really brings in race and class because you have the the music industry basically like abusing black people's talent just like a lot of white artists end up doing that because you sell them a contract for really cheap and then you don't actually support them and like a lot of times they end up in jail right like in certain high profile cases like you know takashi 69 and um bobby schmurda they're like, they had a big song, they got signed to a record label and the record label couldn't help them. It didn't, they they didn't get the profit, they were incarcerated. Um, so that brings us to Clyro, which is like far removed from that context, but it's a slightly different like ism or because kind of like the sexist hive mind around like discrediting these like really young women. So in like, I, I think you could talk about streaming here too. Like I've been talking about streaming a little bit, but Billboard started factoring in streams. People don't buy physical media anymore. Apple music is a thing. So like views clicks become everything to both advertisers and to artists where advertisers are constantly trying to create this, um, this image, this viral thing that will, that will like pop off like you're like baby nut. Like planters peanuts when they killed the planters peanuts guy. Mm-hmm. Like that completely manufactured shit that like everyone under the age of 30 like sees right through, but it it still generates a lot of attention. And it's the same kind of thing that ends up in 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 music and kind of collides with the 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 limits of advertising. Like, how can you have someone even if they are in charge of an advertising firm even if they are in the music industry why why would you be able to instill them with so much power to just like randomly pop off a you know 20 million views or something like that i don't think that's possible because that and that's what that's what Clyro did like she was 17 years old she recorded a music video for pretty girls she's like in a you know sweatshirt messy hair mouthing some lyrics with a with some apple earbuds in Um, and it got millions and millions of views on on YouTube. And she now has a, you know, an album um, by that. It was produced by that guy. What's that guy? Jack Antonoff. Yeah. Um, And so she's like, you know, made it. And immediately after that video came out, people start like looking into who she is. They look at her last name and they say like, oh, this her dad is a executive at Converse which the connection isn't really totally easily visible. But apparently, he had been dealing with a failed concert venue in Brooklyn called Rubber Tracks. There was also one near it called The Patch, sponsored by Sour Patch Kids. Like Clearly, some weird shit's going on in Brooklyn, obviously. Um, But it didn't work. But he was still kind of attached to it. There was an interview with him in some magazine talking about, like, music industry. And so people are like, oh, look, he knows people in advertising. He knows people in music. He obviously, like, set Clyro up to become a star. And I think that there's a lot... People aren't really thinking about that very critically. Because I I don't know a single, like, 55-year-old man who could create a following where they would get people coming into concerts for their daughter who is just like mailed in this, you know, YouTube video of her looking like she just rolled out of bed, like singing some pretty good bedroom pop. I don't, I don't, I don't think that we're giving like old people. I think we're giving old people too much credit (laughs) for what they're, for what they actually can do. So I think that like, It's a really interesting topic because it combines a lot of these of these forces within music, like like the forces of making a ton of music, like we were just talking about what makes someone like pop off and become popular. Is it connections? Is being an industry plant bad if it is actually a thing or is it just a way to discredit people's accomplishments? Like certainly there are some fishy stories, but that's kind of how things work. Like you don't get to be popular without some degree of luck. It's not like the most popular people are the most talented people in the world. It's just the people who were in the right place, the right time with the right music and the right art and the right, you know, abilities. And I mean, also at the same time, you can look at people who got in the music industry really young, like Justin Bieber, his life was fucked. Awful for so long. Um like Britney Spears currently being detained by her own family. Like it's fucked. It's not like, it's not, it's something that like breaks children. And I don't know if, I I don't think that people are, are these like, you know, nefarious deep state executives are going out and being like, let's like pick these 17 year olds and like groom them to be superstars. And then like, everyone's just going along with it and it works. <laughs> that just that is not a that is not a convincing <laughs> argument to me, and it like also just brings in all these other like isms. And I don't think anyone's part of like a bin, but people get accused of this just whatever they're successful. And I I kind of the summary of it is I I don't think that you can just pay money and get a get a following. Like you can have something on you, know, you can pay for like a hundred thousand Instagram followers, but that doesn't mean that it's gonna you're gonna have engagement. You know, it's always the next. It's always something else. And you have to actually have something, to for people to latch onto to actually become you know popular successful.
3: Yeah, so that is the my, thing that,
0: that's my rant. The,
3: the first thing that jumps in my mind, which I think is pretty funny, is uh, a, like a great example of not just being able to pay for success is uh, Rebecca Black's 2011 song "Friday," which was mm, like yeah. explicitly a purchased, uh, like well produced song and well produced music video. She is like an no industry reasons. plant like literally be popular. Right. But like, because shoot, like, I think that's a good, a good example of like, if the music's not good, it doesn't matter. Like she got clowned like too mm-hmm. hard. But I think that the the two things that are always are confusing to like modern day Noah about the industry point <laughs> calls are number one, like if it's good music at some point, who cares? Right. Like, yeah. Aside from that, someone copying or, like, exploiting someone in uh, kind of outreach, right? But I'm thinking of, like, Billie Eilish when she's, when she's and her brother producing, like, a kind of, like, new angle on pop that's, like, really receptive to a whole bunch of people. Like, it seems weird to me that people would hold her existence or her family background against her. And number two, why do people get mad at the 17-year-old right like yeah at the end of the day if billy eilish is an industry plant she's being exploited by a ridiculous number of people who deserve hate
1: <laughs> exactly her.
3: like at the end of the day she's in a room making this like catchy depressing music and like if anyone should be getting the flack it's like if it's her parents if it's the music industry it's like fine like take that anger and place it there but like what and- is why are you trying to tear some 17 year old apart and simpler. like with
0: Billie with Billie Eilish it's like if you're if you're going to be like like if you're going to if you're going to try to I don't know discredit her in some way I think the angle is not that she has industry connections the anger the angle is that she is like sl- like appropriating black culture like most white artists like the way that she talks that is that's definitely not how she grew up talking she's like fairly wealthy from LA like you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and so i mean there's 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 bigger forces
2: at play yeah i don't know i don't get uh, the anger of having connections and using those because every industry ever that's how you yeah. they can get ahead that's how literally everything works
0: <laughs> but it's yeah. a it's a it's a curious case of like you know maybe displaced rage like putting put, and, and how people have kind of like an unhealthy attachment to cultural figures in this in this society and economy where like if you listen to someone if you watch someone if you pay attention to someone enough you feel like you're a part of their lives but you're not they never think about you you're not their friend like it's the same thing I, with politicians I actually think like a they appreciate moment. you as a fan but it's it's not you're not gonna be directing what they do. And I think people get mad at that. And people that kind of makes people look for something that's wrong with them as a person. And you forget that they're a person. It's depersonalizing.
1: Yeah, uh, I think that the one thing that I thought was interesting about this is like personalizing the the heroes that we have was something that we all had to face <laughs> in some way or another when the whole Drake ghostwriting scenario. Like, <laughs> came out. I because forgot about that. That was a healthy moment for a lot of us because Drake kind of transcended or ascended past any sort of industry plant argument at that point, because a lot of people started to just make the argument that like, so what if Drake doesn't write his songs? Like who cares? Like they're popular, enough people like them, and you can't stop him from doing it, So you either are gonna accept it or just sit around and be angry about it, right Um, and I think that was like I think a big moment for at least me in realizing that maybe some of my artists are achieving their popularity through means that I wouldn't necessarily do myself, but are fine because if yeah. you like music, then that's enough,
0: yeah, well, it's also it's also I think that you could connect it to kind of Americans connection to corporations and how like a lot of the time corporations are like trying to be our friends They're trying to outreach to us they're trying to connect with us but their motive is not to you know make us feel good their motive is to create content for you to consume and pay them and i think that sometimes people say that like you're a sellout and i think that the sellout idea in indie music comes into it it collides with that where it's like what's better to sell out to work with the you know like the man like corporations and make a shit ton of money and still make good music or stay honest and do like run your race do your thing and never make as much money never reach as many people never get in in as many people's spotify playlists and um, but still make still make good music. I saw a um a political analysis where it was talking about like, like um, you know the fu- the future of the progressive left, where it was like, do we want to be like um, I forget if, it was like the the lead singer pavement um, or do we want to be like the smashing pumpkins? And it was like that was their argument. They're like, we like the progressive left should sell out and should build a coalition because they'll they'll be much more popular electorally that way and they'll actually get the success that they want versus just kind of languishing as a as a faction kind of like like a lot of the most well respected but kind of least heralded in their time like indie rockers i don't know if anyone has anything else <laughs> to add if you remember anyone selling out that specifically angered you.
3: And Coldplay. But we've been over that. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly having listened to it one more time, I think Akshay's Akshay's take is even better than mine. So I'm I'm probably gonna pivot to that from now on too.
1: (laughs) I think this ties in your consent, Akshay.
3: What were you gonna say? If I have your if I have your consent to To parrot your uh, hot
1: take, absolutely go for it, buddy. I think this all ties into the "there is no ethical consumption under late capitalism" uh, (laughs) mantra. Yeah, Uh, because like, if you really try to find one artist who has done everything correctly and has made their way to the spotlight under the most, you know, obtuse and you know elbow grease way you're going to find very few artists and so i think just kind of accepting that that there is going to be some sort of luck and um we're all just kind of a subject to the the forces of nature to some degree that that's yeah. good and then you can start enjoying music again
0: <laughs> but like the 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 sad thing is that that's not a very compelling argument if an artist was going to come out and just say that and was like yeah you know what i couldn't have done this ethically even if i tried like fuck it i'm going to get my million dollars because people will just like attack you and say like your music isn't genuine you're you are part of the problem and then that like hurts you as an artist to feel like you're not being taken seriously and i think that happens to a lot of pop artists where once they get to a certain level they feel like they feel like they're discredited and they're 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 kind of pigeonholed and I mean, you see this in movies too, where you get like big franchise actors and people see them as one thing when they actually like got into acting for something else entirely. They were like a lot of people in the, you know, the superhero movies didn't start in superhero movies. They're not there. They're not actors just to be in Marvel movies for the rest of their lives. And I think a lot of like pop artists are kind of act like that at least, where then they like have a, you know, going back to your roots album. Which is just them like going back to you know normal white person music, like Taylor Swift, like Miley Cyrus, <laughs> Justin Bieber's doing whatever he's doing. Yummy. Oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 interesting because it's like there's no way, no way out, I don't think. Cause I really don't think you could just come out and say, like, no ethical consumption under capitalism. Like fuck you guys. <laughs> I'm gonna get mine. <laughs> I wish I'd, I could.
3: I'd, I'd rather have the acknowledgement, yeah, than not. But well, I, I agree. I think on
1: that, Post Malone and the Chainsmokers, though, because both of them have come out and said that in some way or another. Uh, people hate people. hate the Chainsmokers, though. <laughs> yeah, but they just make
0: bad
3: music, so I don't. That makes it. Like, <laughs> when someone makes bad music, I feel like I have a a want to like shit on them with anything at my disposal but i guess hey, if you're making bad music there's less of a i don't care as much if you come out and say i made this bad music in a potentially non-ethical way but i don't know how i'd have done it any other way
0: but, post malone makes good music that's my yeah. hot take i argued this to akshay a few weeks ago
3: <laughs> i'm like mostly i'm bored i'm behind, fun, fun I'm behind him. tiktok is like serious the the tiktok unit the like hive mind is fairly convinced that post Malone is going to like die of an overdose. And so they post all these videos of him like yeah. performing on stage. And they thought like, he was like fucked up to this man. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he's performing. I don't know. Like, into <laughs> his just, music, like, Dancing weird. Have you been to a concert before? Like people kind of get into performing. <laughs> it's a pretty like whole body experience, I assume. But <laughs> I, was, I think that's funny whenever I come across some of those videos.
1: Yeah. Was it in the, the video, Tom York, like, wiggle dancing on stage and be like, yeah, this guy's about to <laughs> yeah. die. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um,
0: I want to, I w- also want to talk about the new Fiona Apple album, which got the first 10 on Pitchfork in 10 years um, since my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Um, oh. And before that, 10 years before that was kid A. So <laughs> it's a monumental achievement in pitchfork history which we have our our storied history with pitchfork history um but i think it's in it's something important no matter how you how you look at it like yeah. in music in the past week <laughs> because i think yeah. it also like reached a critic like it reached like a critical consensus faster than i've seen like anything in a long time where like all of a sudden people on twitter were like oh listening to the new fiona apple or like are like fetching the bolt cutters you know like it was everywhere and like all the reviews were good <laughs> yeah and the backlash took a while
3: Maya, uh, man i don't i, I like i don't want to i feel kind of stuck having said that like i don't like calling things industry plants because i think that what i'm about <laughs> to say is like an adjacent argument to that i think it like discredits the artist for producing a good album like i'm like taking away something they've earned in a weird way but i think pitchfork gave that score in like a clickbaity way and i hate oh 100% yeah i hate that because i hate that by saying that i take that away because i think that if somebody gives you something like an exploitation of you you should take it and run with it cuz like at least you mm-hmm. got that but i i hate that In order to like combat pitchfork like one man versus the world kind of thing i have to take that away well i think not a real 10. i i'd say i'd say two things to that one
0: um yes, yes pitchfork definitely artificially changes their scores and they know that getting a 10 that giving out a 10 will drive traffic in like an extraordinary way because they do it so little they never give they like very rarely give albums above a nine and so to, like, randomly have this, like, 10 out of 10 fully perfect album, like, coincidentally, 10 years after the last one, 10 years after the last one, it's it's a little fishy, right? Um, and it's definitely, like, kind of a stunt. But I think the the second part of that is that it is a legitimately, like, it's a good album. And I think that they, they a lot of the time, they bring in um, the context in a lot of ways where where it's it's kind of based upon their their narrative this is the culmination of something it's the same way with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy where where you had you know Kanye was on an island like like bringing people in in secret to record verses for his album after he got up on stage and did that to Taylor Swift. And so it was like him grappling with himself in a way we hadn't really seen. We'd seen Kanye be like a braggadocio. We'd seen him talk about his bomb, talk about his feelings. But this was like rock bottom. Um, and dropping that album, everyone was like, yes, like this is it. This is Kanye West. This is the narrative that we have of his life. Here's where he is with it, and I think that they're treating Fiona Apple in the same way because she releases so such such little music, um, and so it it's it's like her honing her craft, changing her music in a way that is interesting to the listener, and you have to include that that context along with the context of how Pitchfork treats albums, how they how they give scores. Because it is, it's like I, I can't imagine that not a single staffer independently gave it less than a ten. No way. I'd like to see the vote totals, because that's a, that should be impossible. There's no way that every single staff writer who votes for the for the the review was like, yes, perfect album, perfect album, perfect album, all the way down the line. I don't think that's that's possible with a with a group of people that big, because you know there's some contrary in there, so it has to be like juiced a little bit. But I think that it is still a, a, an achievement, and I think it's a really good album. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, on its on its merits, rather than just the, you know, well, yeah. we already talked about this, but for for my, the others,
3: my 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 take on it is, I love albums that are like albums, like it's everything you wrote was for like the album and wasn't like designed to produce like singles or hits. It was like you made this piece of, because I think that's rare nowadays um so I like it for that fact that being said I think that it comes across as a little bit too like performative for me like it it scratches whatever part of my brain like musical theater hits and I think (laughs) for that I don't like it it feels a little bit too I don't know I don't know what the right word is um but hopefully that conveys my point without the narrative around it is
0: it is a bit cute you know where it's like it's like, yeah, she's you know, she's kind of a a cult of personality. She's hanging out in her house banging on pots and pans, like, this is this, this is that. And she went on like a press tour in the past few months. and like there was a there's a really big interview where she talked about her relationship with Paul Thomas Anderson. and she's like, yeah, like it did a ton of coke with paul thomas anderson and and Quentin Tarantino. and like that was awful, <laughs> yeah. And so there is there is like that degree of like build up.
3: Yeah. Sonically though, it was, it was a pretty solid album. Like it, I just I wish yeah, it was I a little like bit it. more. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's valid. What did you the think, Archie? Uh,
1: I got I got two things on it. Um, one <laughs> to broaden the critical reviews past Pitchfork. Of the 19 reviews that have shown up on a review aggregator called Album of the Year, 11 of them have been straight hundreds. Yeah. Um, like, there's no way, right? <laughs> but maybe it is that good.
2: Yeah, well, maybe some people don't want to go against the... Yeah. Yeah, you have people like bandwagoning and then the contrarians, and there's it's hard to find the middle once all of the reviews are out. You don't want to oh, yeah. be the one person who to give it like a a six and a half or something. <laughs> like a cool game. You're not like thing. a yeah. It goes yeah. back to like the clickbait th- thing too. Like clicks are king now. You need to be either like yeah. on board. Nobody's gonna care if or people. But you think, think that dri- that would
0: drive yeah. someone to give it a negative review. Right,
2: but I'm saying there's
0: it's hard to be like
2: in the middle on something. You, yeah, you can't be like oh this is pretty good. You know yeah. seven. <laughs>
0: It has a a one hundred
2: on Metascore.
3: Yeah, straight one hundred. I mean, I think (laughs) there's, I I want to hear actually a second point, but the I think there's also a weird space where when people are looking to review an album, you almost enter like a separate type of music listening, where this album might be, for example, like the perfect album for a music reviewer who's writing a music review. But it might not be the, like, we're talking about two different things, and that's almost where, like, our misunderstanding comes from. Like, yeah. I wouldn't give it a 10, but that's because I'm not writing music review, and I haven't written hundreds of music reviews and listened to hundreds and hundreds of albums and tried to, like, digest them in this critical way. Yeah. Or maybe you come across this as one of those people, and you're like, oh, perfect. This is it. This is what I've been looking for.
0: And, like, once you've seen the reviews, you can't forget that. You can't just divorce yourself from that. Like it's not like it's not like they put all these music reviewers in a room in like separate rooms, told them to listen to the album or like what are your thoughts? Give it a score. Like can't look at anything else. It's there's the, there's the there's chatter and there's like in your mind you set it up to be good or bad. And if you set it to be good, sometimes you set it up to be bad in your mind as well because you want to be contrarian. You want to say like you know not as good. You want the attention. Stuff like that. Um, what was the second thing you wanted to say actually
1: it was uh it was actually pretty in line with what Noah was gonna say, my man, uh n- I was gonna say that Fiona Apple isn't for everyone, and it's not for every setting and yeah. I think when I first put on Fiona Apple, I was just kind of like sitting and getting some work done, and I was like, uh, ugh, so much lyrical density and and, and <laughs> intricate musicality, and like my brain hurt. And then I re-listened to it while like on a drive and it started to come together more. And I think Fiona Apple is maybe in that perfect sweet spot where her songs are just catchy enough and engaging enough for the average bear to want to listen to her, but just complicated enough where like every music critic is going to want to take her apart. Um, in, in a good way, right? Like to, to write in a review about it is something that's really enjoyable because there's so much there but it's also just on the border of, of approachableness where it's not writing a review about some like really complex uh, ambient piece because no one would want to listen to that.
0: Hmm. Um, well, I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> the other albums I listened to this week that I thought were pretty good, um, the new Waxahachie album. I don't know if anyone's listened to it. I thought it was fantastic. Really good. Lilacs is an incredible song. Um, and I also really liked the new Laura Marling album. Came out a few days ago.
3: Yeah, I haven't listened to those, but I'll, I'll give them so a if listen. You're, to-
0: if you're looking for something to listen to in the next week.
1: Akahachi <laughs> was on my uh, uh, short list, or I guess long list for Hot or Not uh, for March. That's uh, good. She got in favor of a couple other tracks but uh yeah i i love it's that album. and i was listening to it when i was putting together the playlist speaking
0: of um metacritic the second best album of 2020 so far is by uh Rina sawayama who you put on hot or not
2: really that was yeah. a good song
0: it was a good song so i think i gave it a,
2: a pretty good a hot <laughs> yeah, uh not lukewarm above that but you know, not, not the best song on the list
0: i just said hot or not
1: i know it oh, is. i
2: didn't i didn't do hottest oh
0: no i did do hottest
1: no, you changed <laughs> your hottest
0: but yeah
1: i won't spoil it a,
0: yeah everyone all of our listeners you guys could check out our website we do hot or not every month thanks to akshay's ingenuity and creativity
3: and hard work and hard Trying work. To- wrangle us all it's tough yeah we're not easy no yeah,
1: majority of my work is just wrangling and i and i apologize for the messages but uh it's nice no, so the
3: wrangling's good no keep them coming yeah you need, Tell you us need, to, need to shame Inter- yeah
1: <laughs> um, we're still, start
3: naming names
1: oh <laughs> uh, no i'm not naming names right now but we're still waiting on one or two more and so once i have them we'll, we'll <laughs> all right we'll That's get
2: We'll get names when
3: the, when the mics are off. <laughs> yeah, once Craig leaves.
0: All right, I think that's all I wanted to talk about this week. Do you guys have any more, any more topics you want to bring up?
3: I, uh, I'm good. I think that in the future, it could be an interesting discussion to dive into the differences between a solution like Endel and a solution like Bronze, um, which is another algorithmic music generation uh tool um you
0: should do some research
3: yeah and so i, I know that Santi's a big fan of bronze so i'll probably try to drag him into that too maybe we can yeah. talk about something like that next week and leave this in as a little teaser
1: sweet uh, one uh, song wreck for those who are looking for music to listen to dom and i were both talking about how the new jamie xx song i don't know is cool um oh, it but- is pretty cool it's been critically pretty panned. Most people who've written reviews about it have not liked it, um, and I'm I'm going to stridently say don't don't listen to them or don't even read the reviews. Give the song listen yourself and and make a decision. I like it. It bops and uh, it makes me want to dance. I like it too.
2: So Demuja's new
1: album is so
0: good.
2: I've been listening to it a lot. Who? Uh, a guy Akshay and I like Demuja. <laughs> D E M U J A. It's really nice. nice. Summary, picnic, kind of vibes.
3: I like that. I'll listen to all these and uh, give you guys my, my take What's
0: next What's week. one song to listen to from the new album? The first one. It's called The Saunter. All right. That's my favorite one. It will be done. Excellent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, all right.
0: Cool. Get out of here, Craig. Craig.